Have you come to bless the Lord today? Let's stand together in sickness. Oh, let's magnify the Lord together. We magnify you, Lord. Let's sing. And oh, magnify the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. And oh, let's magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord, sing it. And oh, let's magnify the Lord, for He is worthy to be praised. Oh, let's magnify the Lord, for He is worthy to be praised. Sing Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my Sing it again. Hosanna. We sing Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. One more time, Hosanna to the Lord. Let's lift him up together. Oh, we sing Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the one more time. We gotta sing it to the Lord. Oh, let's sing Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Hosanna. Blessed be the rock. Blessed be the rock of my salvation. Amen. Let's give him praise. We lift you up as we praise you, O God. I pray you open the heavens gates above us and pour out your spirit on us, O Lord. We lift you, Lord. We magnify you. Have you come to bless the Lord today? Well, let's lift our hands and give him praise. Give him honor. He is worthy. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Let's sing this together. We waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire. Awakening desire will burn our hearts with truth. And you're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. And open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our prayer. Oh, let's open up the heavens, Lord. We sing it. Open up the heavens. We want to see you. Open up the floodgates. A mighty river flowing from your heart. Feeling every part of our praise. Your presence in this place. Your glory. Lord, I 
before we sing this next song. Thank the Lord to everyone together. Thank Him for His blessings, for all that He's done, for all He's going to do. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We lift you and magnify you. Thank you, O Lord Jesus. Thank the Lord, church. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus.
worthy is the Lamb. Honor is present, church. Hallelujah. We worship you, O Lord. Hallelujah. We hear your worship. You may be seated. Amen. Let's give this praise team a hand today. Thank you guys for that wonderful singing and playing. Uh, praise the Lord. Is it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Man alive. So good to see you folks here. And I look forward to what God's going to do for us this morning. That's what I'm looking forward to. I've got a word for us today, and it is going to be Thanksgiving. Be safe, you and your family. And uh, thank God that our governor's not going to make us wear a mask in our house. Praise the Lord, somebody. But um, just be safe. If you're traveling, be safe. And um, we wish you and your family well throughout this holiday season. Psalm chapter 137, verse 1 through 4 is where I want to go this morning. Harps in the willows. You ever seen those willow trees? They're kind of depressing. They're beautiful, but they're really depressing looking. And uh, in the psalmist here, that is what he refers to as the willow tree and the harps in that willow tree. Let's uh, just start at verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept. When we remembered Zion, we hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there's those who carried us away captive required or asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they responded, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign? Another version said, How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? It has been said that the harp produces what is known as the purest sounding music that is known to the human ear. It is probably one of the most primitive instruments that date way back, all the way you can read in your Bible, all the way to the days of Jubal, which was a descendant of Noah, who of course was in the beginning of, of creation as we all know. It is an instrument that was plucked by the fingers. It came in two basic sizes. There was a large one that literally could be as large as the person that was playing it. A matter of fact, I had a neighbor um, sometime back, Miss Burroughs was her name. Some of you may know Roy Burroughs. He's dead and gone to heaven now. But Brother Roy was a great preacher and his wife called me over there one day and I messed around with it for just a few minutes. I had never touched a harp. But when I walked in that room, it was a beautiful gold harp, and it was literally taller than I was. I suspect that it was at least, I think she said a seven-foot harp is, is the peak of it there. And it was just huge. And, and, and that little old lady took herself, and she wrapped herself around the harp. I'll never forget it. Sat, straddled it, and she just plucked and played. Just made one of the most beautiful sounds you've ever heard. Her daughter was a classical player. Matter of fact, played for, for many colleges and institutes for, for music and things like that. It was probably a 25000 or more dollar harp is what it was worth. So, so she knew what she was doing. It sounded beautiful. There was other harps that were small enough that you could literally hold them and cradle them in your arms as you played them. However, this instrument is widely known in the Old Testament, especially as being an instrument of praise, an instrument to which they brought glory and honor to God. It was used in worship. It is used as a mean of entertainment. As a matter of fact, you can read in your Bible and you'll find that the harp is one of those instruments that not only would soothe you, uh, your ears, but it would also soothe your soul. Because as they play on those strings, all of a sudden you begin to feel your nerves calm. As a matter of fact, you can read about David, how that Saul, King Saul was a man that the demons had come upon, the devil had come upon him, and he would get just angry in his spirit. And when the demons rose up in him, what did they do? They called for 
for David and said, come and play us some music with that harp. And so little David would bring the harp in and as he began to strum and the play and the pluck, all of a sudden the Bible said that the spirits that was inside of Saul they abased. They calmed down at the sound of worship that was being played. His troubled spirit was calmed by that harp. A matter of fact, history has told us that it was more difficult to find somebody that could not play the harp than to find someone who could play the harp. That's how much it was used. That's the way they worship God. That is the way that they gave God praise. And so today as we're looking at Thanksgiving coming up, today we're going to talk a little bit about that praise. We're going to talk a little bit about that Thanksgiving. A matter of fact, this tool of praise today. And so the vivid picture comes to us from my text in Psalm 137 here. The instrument of praise that was once used to sing these songs, to worship God, to give God glory. All of a sudden, these, these harps are being hung in these dreary looking willow trees. And, and, and there's a problem with that. And the breeze is blowing, but as the breeze is blowing, it is not making a beautiful sound. It is making this hollow, dismal, depressing sound as the wind is. It's really producing a strange tone. It, it's producing a mournful tone. It's not the happy thing that calms our nerves, but it is, it is that hollow blow of the wind that goes through the strings. And, and I want you to notice three things today. And I'm going to keep it very simple for everybody. Today when you leave, you should be able to name all of my points. Are you ready? We're going to talk about the singer. We're going to talk about the song. And we're going to talk about the strange land. That's three things in this that we see. The first point is the singers. The children of Israel were famous for their songs of praise. A matter of fact, when we read it in our Bible, they're referred to as the songs of Zion. That is why when we talk about Zion, what does it represent? Anybody? It represents the church of Jesus Christ. And so they are telling them, sing us one of those church songs. Sing us one of those songs that, that brought us through Egypt, that brought us through the desert. Sing us one of those songs of rejoicing and, and excitement. Let us be thankful for what God has done. Let us, let us hear the testimony through your song. You see, I want you to understand that there have been times in my life that I've been down in my spirit. And there are times that it was a sermon that brought me, brought me through. Anybody ever had that happen? To where you know whatever the Lord gave that man or that woman that day. And they preached the word with boldness. And the whole time they preached, you said to yourself, oh my gosh, this is straight to me. You know, I love it sometimes when you preach a sermon and, and, you, and you think to yourself, that was a waste of my time. It was a waste of their time. But then you have somebody walk up to you and they say, if you weren't preaching to anybody today, you were preaching to me. And when they say that, it makes it all worthwhile. Whether you feel like you were a failure or not, whether you didn't get the cross like you wanted to, just knowing that somebody was blessed by your sermon and it helped pull them through. So there's times that sermons have pulled me through. But I want to tell you, there's also times that a song has pulled me through. There's a time that music has pulled me through. I've been in services when, when the Holy Spirit filled the house as, as the songs of Zion were being sung. And, and I just lifted my hands and, and the glory of God just came into my spirit. And all of a sudden, all my nerves that were all out of whack and they were wrecked, all of a sudden they began to come back together. I felt soothing in my soul. That is what a good anointed song can do for you. It is so important that you never quit singing the song. So you got to understand these singers have always sung even their enemies recognize that 
Because the Bible tells us that after they crossed the Red Sea, you'll recall, recall this story, that the Bible said that when they crossed the Red Sea, they began to sing one of the songs of Zion. They began to sing one of the songs of victory. Hallelujah. God's brought us through. And they're singing this song. And all of a sudden, Miriam begins to feel an anointing. And she grabs a tambourine. And she begins to beat the tambourine. And, and she begins to dance. And she begins to shout in her spirit. Hallelujah. Because one of the songs of Zion that God had brought us through and the singer had to sing. And so they recognize that. At the dedication of the temple. The Bible says that as the glory of God fills the house. And smoke is in the place. And they recognize that the glory of God is there. A matter of fact the temple and foundations are shaking. And what are they doing? The singers are singing their song of praise. Whenever they're bringing back the Ark of the Covenant, it's been in the enemy's hand for too long. As they're bringing it back, the priests are walking, and as they're walking, they're singing their song. And so David gets excited. The songs of Zion stir his spirit. And so he began to dance before the Lord. The Bible said with all of his might, he even shouted until he shouted off the ephod or the priestly garment. His wife said, you're crazy. And he said, well, if they sing that chorus one more time, you ain't seen nothing yet, honey. Hallelujah. You know, I was thinking the other day, man, when we used to sing a song, we could, I, I, I was hearing somebody the other day and they said only a Pentecostal can take our fly away and sing it for 13 minutes. You, you just keep singing the chorus over. You just have to keep on over and over and over and over until finally the singer gets it into the heart of those that are listening. Hallelujah. There's something about the song. My God. The songs were often linked with the dance or celebration. And it was unusual for Israel to not have a song. They have always had a song. When they are asked to give God glory, they always can strike out their harp and they can strum it and they can sing. Even their enemies recognize this. See, their captors, the Bible said that their captors, those that have taken him, them in Babylon captivity, they required of them to simply live up to their reputation. They've always sung. So now they say, live up to your reputation and sing us one of those songs that you used to sing. See, the problem with some folks is they know how to sing when they're crossing the Red Sea. They know how to sing when the ark's coming back from, from the enemy's camp back to Jerusalem. They know how to sing when everything's going good. But sometimes it's hard to sing when you find yourself in the middle of captivity. It is hard to sing when you find yourself in the middle of trouble. So here they are. They're the singers. But now because of their situation and where they find themselves at, they feel like God has left them. They feel like God's not there anymore. So when they ask them to live up to their reputation, the singers seal their lips and they have absolutely nothing to say nor nothing to sing. The church in general to the world has a reputation. The reputation that the church has developed has preceded us. It goes before us. It goes without asking. Everyone in the world should know that when you come into the house of God, you are entering into a place that is full of singers. Mm -mm -mm. This will preach, I'm telling you it will. You are entering into it. But what name have we developed? Are y'all ready for this? 
What reputation precedes us now? Is the church still a house of praise? Is the church still a house of thanksgiving? Or has the house of God become just another place, just like another, just going to Walmart? Not much different. You go get done what you got to get done and you go home, right? What has the church become? And so whenever they're asked to sing this song, all of a sudden what they used to know the church to be, they realize that the church is not that anymore. Can I tell somebody that there was a day that when people needed help, they didn't go to the psychiatrist. The first place they went was to the church. There was a day that when people knew they were lost and undone without God, that they could go to the church. Because if they could make it to the church, there was always singers in the church. There was always rejoicing in the church. There was a day whenever people were discouraged and they felt downcast and they felt like giving up and giving in. If they could just make it to the church. Oh, God help us today. That is why David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because he recognized that when he got to the house of the Lord, the singers would start singing. The praises would go up. The blessings would come down. What kind of reputation have we built as the church? The reputation that God has desired for us to have is for all the world to know that we are a people of praise. We are a people of celebration. We are a people, as we're celebrating this week, of thanksgiving. See, we oftentimes don't feel like thanking God. I've been there, you've been there. But at the end of the day, God's been good to every one of us, folks. And He has blessed us. He has allowed us to be here at such a time as this. I think often about the 24 elders because if earth is that we pray, Lord, let your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. What we are asking God is to bring heaven down the earth. Everybody with me? So what that means is if we look at what's going on in heaven, there should be a taste of it on earth. So if the 24 elders, and you can read in your Bible not only the 24 elders, but also the four beasts, they are forever circling the throne of God. They are falling down. They are singing their song. And they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. Holy, and, and 24-7, 365 days of the year, that repetition goes on and on celebrating and singing their song. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. So when we look at the church, we should resemble what heaven looks like. If God would just let His will be done in earth as it is in heaven, then this place would be a place of praise. This place would be a place of thanksgiving. This place would be a place of of singing our song. A matter of fact, when I begin to look, I, I think oftentimes that the world is stunned by the church's silence. I really believe that. I believe that when things go on, I think that many people are, are you know, the church is silent about abortion. I, I, think, I think people were surprised back in the 70s. Was it 73? It was in the 70s. Don't quote me on the exact date. That prayer was leaving schools and and all of these things. And I think the world was, was really. They thought the church will sing now. The church will sing their song now. The church will let their voice be heard now. But what did the church do? They kept silent. They kept quiet. And the radical left prevailed. 
And I'm telling you folks, and you hear me good today, call it prophetic or whatever you want to call it, I don't care. But I'm telling you with the radical left that has got an agenda for our world today, if the church is quiet in this day, 2020, I'm telling you, we're going to go to hell in a handbasket. You can go ahead and mark my words. America will be the nation that will be cast into hell. Psalm 917. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. There's coming a day, mark my word, to where if we're not careful that America, the church's voice in America, if it dies out, we are handing our country over to the enemy. We are handing that agenda over to the enemy. Do whatever you want with us. But God, help us to let our reputation live on. Help us not to be silent like previous generations have been. Help us to lift our voice, lift our hands, give God glory, give God praise. Because if we've ever needed to sing, now's the time to be these singers I'm talking about so we, we, we should do what we do best my Lord we were born to serve and praise the Lord whenever Adam was created what was the purpose of Adam it was not just to have a, a good looking man walking around taking care of animals the purpose of Adam was simply to give God the creator glory and honor and praise and that is exactly why you're here today. That is exactly why I'm here today. I was born to serve the Lord. I was born to praise the Lord. I was born to preach the gospel. I was born to sing my song and bless God with His help. I'm going to do that. How about you? So, so let me hurry along. Now, now let's flip to a few scriptures here. Shave. Let's go to first. Peter 2, 9. I'm going to hit these back to back. But the Bible plainly tells us we are people of praise. I want to show you. God said this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. This means that you are kings, the king's son and daughter. Hallelujah to God. Royal blood is flowing through your veins. If you are heirs with God, then you are joint heirs with Christ. That means that whatever belongs to Jesus, belongs to us. And that is why when we die and leave this world, heaven's going to be ours. He said, you're a royal priesthood. That you may what? what? Why are you this special people? What makes you special? It is that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Somebody ought to say amen. So He says in the middle of a dark world, the reason that you exist is to proclaim and sing that Jesus Christ is alive and well. You need to proclaim the praises. You need to sing your testimony. You need to let the world know I once was in darkness, but now now I'm in a glorious light. I once was blind, but now I see. I was once on drugs, but now I preach. Somebody ought to help me today. What I'm telling you is God has called us to do this. Let, let's go to the next verse. Psalm 150 and verse 6. You've heard it. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, now God tells us not only is the saints supposed to praise Him. He says even the sinners should praise Him. Let everything. The birds praise Him. The dogs praise Him. Man, sometimes I can knock my dog's head off. She goes into this, this horrific bark. All of a sudden, sound like a, a wolf in there howling. Scares me to death. Standing there the other day texting somebody. And all of a sudden, she did that bark. I about threw my phone across the kitchen. Scared me to death. 
But I'm understanding that even the animals are praising God. Even the birds chirping that is so beautiful in the mornings, I understand. They're just praising their Creator. I can't get mad for that. They're giving God their glory. Psalm 147.1 Praise the Lord! Exclamation point. For it is good to sing praises to our God. For it is pleasant. And praise is beautiful. It looks beautiful to God. It looks wonderful to God. Somebody said, well, I'm ugly, preacher. Well, let me tell you something. You start praising God and God says it is beautiful. He loves it when you sing praises to Him. So I guess I'm saying we need more singers. Point number two. I got the singers down now. I want to talk about the song. The song that we look at in our verse. Whose song is it? It's not the world's song. It's not your song. It's not my song. It's his song. Are, are, y'all, are y'all ready for this? Now, now I want you to understand it's the Lord's song. And the people of Babylon, even though they were wicked people and they were not saved and, and they're wicked, they tell us here in our, in our verse, they say, go ahead and sing us one of the songs of Zion. What they wanted to hear was a song about Jehovah. There comes a time that even the world's sick of hearing the other songs. And they want to hear a good song about Jesus. Listen, I've been listening to the world's song for so long, I'm sick of hearing it. I'm sick of the messages. I'm sick of the left agenda. I'm sick of them trying to shove things down our throat as if we're just supposed to obey and do what they tell us to do. I'm sick of it. I get tired of it. Listen. I have, I, you know, I used to watch the news pretty good, and I still get notifications upon. I guess I'm going to have to mute those. You know what I'm talking about? Them Apple things, just, just mute them babies too for a little while. I get so sick of hearing the song that the world has to sing because the only thing that I ever hear the world sing is depressing news. I get so, you can listen to an hour of news, 55 minutes will depress you, and then at the end they'll say, oh yeah, there was this cat in a tree that a firefighter saved. Yay! Let's all celebrate together. I'm tired of hearing the world's song. And that is why Babylon, they knew the world's song. Babylon represents the world. And they said, today we don't need a worldly song. Today we need something better than that. They don't need your song. They don't need my song. Because let me go ahead and say it right here and right now. It is not about you. Oh, praise God, hallelujah. Now, I know we like singing our own song, and they say a a frog ain't much of a frog if it can't croak in its own pond. But when you get into the house of God and start singing, it should not be about you. When I start preaching, it should not be about me. When he starts singing, and they start singing, and they start playing, it should not be about them. And when it's like that, it's so much better because we recognize not only are we the singer, but we recognize the song that we're supposed to be singing. And that song is not about us that song is about anything that will lift up the name of Jesus Christ and in the middle of a world that's going to hell we need to get our song down and we need to sing it again it's the only hope of the world there was a reason that he called this gospel the good news so they wanted to hear this song a song that belonged to him there's good news in Jesus folks if you're sick start singing Come on, somebody. I am the Lord that heals you. If you're depressed, 
and you feel like giving up, you need to say, sing my song, cast my care on him, for he cares for me. Listen, there's a reason. You look at David. David plays the harp. You can read through the Psalms. Oftentimes you'll see it's a song of ascent. It's a song of this, a song of that. It's a song when David was in the cave hiding from King Saul. What he did is he pulled from the words that God had given him. Now they're known to us as the Bible. And he began to quote, the Lord is my shepherd. He would sing the song that came out of God's word whenever he needed it for any situation. The song still work, folks. There is power in our song. Woo. Help me, Jesus, today. He's the subject matter of his own song. If you know, I, several years back, I wrote a song and um, I published that song. Did it on on uh, Apple, iTunes, all that stuff. And uh, when I got ready to do that song, I started doing some investigation. I was talking to somebody one day, and they said you need to copyright that song. I said, "What? what what's, what's copywriting about? How do you do this copywriting thing?" And I began to understand what copywriting is. What copywriting is, is that whoever copyrights the song owns the right to the song. Mm, Y'all ready for this? So in other words, Garth Brooks, great singer, right? Great, great, great. Famous, man. But Garth Brooks, and I wish he would, but Garth Brooks can't put my song, or your song for that matter, any copyrighted song, on his album. Everybody understand that. Most people want him to. But he can't just say, man, I like the way that song sounds. Because I'm a, a millionaire and because I got my own studio, I'm going to go ahead and produce that song and I'm going to sell it on iTunes. Make me a pile of money. He cannot do it until he talks to the person that owns the rights to the song. And see, I need y'all to understand something about Jesus. He is the subject matter of the song. And He is the owner of the song. It's about Him. So He owns the rights to it. But He has given us permission to use it. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that good? Any other? Listen. I told you last week, Seven Sons of Sceva, it's the most familiar story in doing this. And they tried to say, you know, in the, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, you come out of him, devil. And they tried to do that. And, you know, I told you last week, they left them literally naked. They stripped them. They left with actual physical uh, scars on them or scratches on them from where those demons had just stripped them of their clothes. You don't mess with the devil. And what the devil was showing them... Is that song doesn't belong to you? Oh God. Jesus. The song is not yours to sing. And they looked at him and said, Jesus we know. Paul we know. But who are you? Because they had not gained rights to sing a copyrighted song. To those that are redeemed, to this chosen generation, to this peculiar people that stands out in the middle of darkness in God's marvelous light. To that group of people, he says, you can use my son's name and you can use it with authority because I have given you the right to do it. So now in my son's name, you will heal the sick. In the name of Jesus, you will cast out devils. In the name of Jesus, you will set the captive free. But you cannot do these things until you're a singer singing 
your song. Point number three, and I am going to let you go today. So we got the singer, we got the song. In closing, we got the strange land. I'm learning this more and more as the days go by. This world is not my home. With all the things going on in the news, and you know, sometimes I get emotionally involved. I had somebody tell me that day, said I just can't watch the news because I get so angry. Anybody feel that pain? All right. That's my day. They tell me they don't want to be on Facebook because they're sick of it. Anybody feel my pain? They're just tired of seeing it. They're tired of it. They're tired of it. They're tired of people trying to put some conservative view and they get flagged or put in Facebook jail or Twitter tags them and says, blah, 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 blah. They're so sick of it. They're sick of it. Free speech, right? We're just sick of it. And so sometimes I take the things that are going on in this world so personal. I do. I take it personal. It gets me so angry, so fat and mad. I'm like, my Lord, I need a blood pressure pill. Just drives me insane. I feel like I could march up to Washington and charge it with a heavenly water. I'm telling you, I just, I just get so angry. But you know what? Doug, God's been reminding me this lately. And I'm telling you, the last month, and I mean this. God has constantly reminded me, Jimmy, this world is not your home. You are a stranger in this world. And that is why you're uncomfortable here. That is why you get so upset here. Because this is a strange land. My God Almighty. We often find ourselves in this strange land. But oftentimes there's a faraway look in our eyes. As we look up to the sky. And we say even so come Lord Jesus. And now I understand even more now than I did then. Why the old saints as they were nearing the end of their days. Would stand up when I was a boy. And they would testify. And every time they testified. All they wanted to talk about. Was I'm going to see Jesus. That's all they wanted to say. I can't wait to see my Jesus. I can't wait to see my husband. I can't wait to see my wife for 50 years. I'm going home one of these days. And now I understand. They had lived in this life for 80. Some of them 90 years. Sister Johnson was right at 100 years old. When she testified. And I began to understand. They've been in this mess for so long they're just ready to get out of it and the older I get and the more I deal with it and the more I see what's going on around me there is something even though I'm 37 that is saying even so come Lord Jesus I am sick of this world I'm sick of their song I'm sick of this strange land I'm about ready to go home There was an old song we used to sing. That song said, lately all I've got is leaving on my mind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What strange land have you found yourself in? Maybe it's a strange land of sickness, disease. Maybe it's a land of discouragement where you have lost confidence. Maybe you've lost your enthusiasm even to serve God. Maybe it's the land of despair. That's where you feel like there's no more hope. You're wallowing in self-pity. I wish somebody would feel bad for me and help me. Maybe the land of difficulty. And I got news for you. Sometimes life is just hard, folks. It just is. Uh, there was a shirt that came out some time ago. Even bumper stickers on cars. And it says, life is good. Anybody ever seen those? Life is good. But I'm just here to tell you, life is hard. But I also remember a saying that we used to say. And that is, life is hard, but God is good. Go ahead to the piano, Susan. I'm closing. 
So the Lord's song transcends boundaries. It's a universal song of praise. It can be sung in English. It can be sung in Spanish. Over in Africa, they can sing it today in their native tongue. It can be sung anywhere. Not only can it be sung in any, any language, any nation, but it can be sung wherever you may find yourself. Good times, bad times. Walmart, house, car. The Lord's song of praise and thanksgiving can be sung. Your harp, in essence, just speaking and using this as a symbolism, your harp was not made to fit on a willow tree. Your harp was not meant to hang on a limb somewhere. Your harp was made to fit in your arm because God wants to hear your song. So, as I close, if the hardships of life have caused you to stop singing His song, did you catch that? Not your song. His song. If times are hard and, and you've decided to hang your harp on a willow tree, I've come to tell somebody today, get it down right now. For you that say, well, I'm just going to stay out of it. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. You know, I'm not. Get your harp down today. Well, somebody asked me how I felt about, you know, this or that or the other. And it's a hot topic issue politically. And I know what the Bible says, but I just told them I wasn't in the politics. So I just kind of shied away. Get your harp off the tree limb. Because you are meant to sing His song. And the only way that we can change this world is if we can get singers that understand His song even though we're in a strange land. Because His song is not of this world. His song is about above. It's about heaven. It's about where we're going. That's His song. Let's all stand. I, I'm, I'm closing. Oh my God Almighty. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And I think there's some Christians today that are in the same place that Israel found themselves. How can I sing in this world? How can I sing the Lord's song with all that's going on? Well, my Lord, now's the time we need to sing. All right, can I say it this way? Instead of asking how can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land, my question is how can't we sing the Lord's song in this strange land? Yeah, yeah. I'm done, I'm done. Father... Right now in the name of Jesus. There are those here today that perhaps their hearts have been hung up on a willow tree. There was a day that they would sing your praise. There was a day that they would sing your song. Due to circumstances, due to trials, due to hardships. They decided for a little while they'd just hang that harp right up. Let the hollow wind blow through. It's a strange sound. It's a hollow sound. It's not... But Father, I'm asking you today, help us all to take that heart down. It's Thanksgiving week. Help us to be thankful. Help us to give you glory. Help us to recognize it's about you. And if we do this, God, I know you're going to bless us in a way we've never been blessed before. We honor you and praise you today. You're worthy of our praise. In the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout amen.